Welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast, hosted by Anders Gustafsson and Carlos Velasco. In this episode, Carlos interviews Chef Pablo Naranjo about designing memorable experiences. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast. Uh, this is Carlos Velasco. We are in Season 2, and today I have a very special guest. Uh, his name is Pablo Naranjo. He is a chef. I have known him for several years, uh, probably uh, three decades or more. Uh, we grew up together, and although we took slightly different paths in, in our careers, um, I have seen him growing as a renowned chef in the world. Uh, he has uh, been working uh, with food since uh, his very early uh, years. And he has been traveling the world, having multiple experiences uh, with, you know, restaurants, Michelin star restaurants, uh, restaurants uh, that he has been consulting for, the hospitality and tourism industry. He has also been recording a, a number of shows, documentaries, where he has been cooking for people of lots of different backgrounds, different groups um, in Europe, uh, Asia, and South America. So today we're going to talk about a very important topic, uh, which is how to design memorable experiences. Paulo has been in this uh, context of food designing very memorable experiences. I have had the pleasure to take part in some of them. And today I want to pick on his brain on what can we learn from a chef with his trajectory uh, about designing memorable experiences. So before we start, I would like to give you to welcome you, Paolo. Welcome to the podcast and to expand a little bit about yourself, if you can tell us uh, uh, more about yourself. Well, thank you, Carlos. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me here in your podcast. It's such an honor to be able to, to share my experiences, my life experiences. I, I often say that my life is a little bit like a movie uh, because I, I just keep living really memorable things in my life. So, so I decided that all of the beautiful things that I live and, um, and that I experience, I, I like to transmit that and make people feel that through whatever experience that I create. Uh, so just to tell you a little bit more about myself, I've been, as Carlos said, we're almost like brothers. Um, we, we've grown a little bit apart in our careers, but we also met each other again like four years ago when we started uh, creating experiences together uh, with the same purpose of just I, I think it's just about bringing joy to people. It's, it's, it's the beauty and the magic of food, right? Uh, I've been cooking professionally now for almost 15 years. Uh, I lived in France for 10 years. Then I moved to India where I did some consultation and ended up falling in love with the culture and the country and, and ended up having like two small cafes in Mumbai, a very chaotic city. Um, and right now I'm in Colombia, back in, in my country. Uh, because of COVID. I don't know, sometimes COVID also, bad things can bring really good, memorable things. So right now I'm having a blast right now. Um, it's going really good. It's going really good. So once again, thank you so much for having me here, Carlos. Um, that is, yeah, no, that is fantastic. And I, I love the, 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 the introduction that you give, you know, memorable experience. You have been living uh, lots of memorable experiences and, as in a movie. And I can definitely just seeing, seeing your experiences through a screen Typically Instagram, I <laughs> does see that all the time. I do see that all the time. So, Paulo, uh, before so that we tell a little bit more about yourself to our listeners, you your official training is as a chef, right? And that is in yes. France. Uh, uh, yes, I studied at Le Cordon Bleu in, in Paris. 
um, where I got my, my, my studies degree over there and uh, where I lived like for almost nine years and worked professionally. Okay. That's uh, yeah. That's that. That's something that I wanted to 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 clarify. And then from there, you started expanding all your knowledge about cooking and uh, you know like uh, the world of food uh, in you know outside of France as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So so basically, since I finished my career at Le Cordon Bleu, I I got thrown into the fine dining world. I, I got the chance to do a, an internship in a three Michelin star restaurant um, where they hired me afterwards, and then I just kind of went on that line and, and, and spent probably six years working in three Michelin, two Michelin, one Michelin style restaurant. Uh, later on, I helped uh, I helped build a restaurant in Paris as well that was pretty successful. And uh, after all of that, I, as I told you, I got, a, I got the chance to go to India to help a friend to start a, a French cafe in the south of Mumbai. And... It was probably one of the biggest challenges of my life, you know, like uh, I've always said that I love challenges and, and and going to a different country that it's so different to my own culture and understanding what people over there wanted to eat, you know, I think that when you, when you, when you live and work with French chefs, you end up being a little bit um, stubborn. And and probably Paris is the only place in the world where you where it's safe to say that the customer is never right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and as a chef, if you know that your product is cooked properly and it's seasoned properly, if the client doesn't like it, they're wrong. And, and you can come out of the kitchen and say like, sorry, this is the right way of making everything. If you want it to be like completely overcooked, I can go and do something that goes against my moral and ethics as a chef, but I'll do it for you. It's fine. But then don't complain. So... Imagine putting a chef from that context in India that wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. It was really, really hard because one of the biggest lessons that I understood in India is that there's not, there's not a single truth that is universal. You know, like mm. uh, I cannot apply my reality of a different context into a different culture, different country, different people, different way of understanding, tasting, living life. I cannot understand that this flavor is going to be good worldwide. And, and that was something really hard. I, I built the menu and, and people criticized my menu before the opening of the restaurant. And, and, and I was shattered. You know, like I, I, I came from working from really fine dining and, and, and running a restaurant that changed the menu every day, creating dishes constantly every day, putting myself on the, on the judgment line of people every day and, and, and getting good returns and good reviews. So you kind of understand that you have that capacity of creating something that you can actually transmit something else through food. And then suddenly I changed my culture, my context. I changed the place where I was working and suddenly my food was not good anymore. That was really tough. I can imagine that that was shocking actually. But, uh, but on the other hand, I guess, one of the reasons why most of the experience that I have seen that you develop are actually successful nowadays. And it's this idea that you understand that, you know, there is a, a something that makes an experience memorable and some things that you actually need to customize in a way for your specific group of, uh, let's say, you know, customers or people that you're designing the experience for. Exactly. So, so basically when I was living in France, people used to ask me, what is your favorite food to cook? And my answer was always the same answer. It, it was like, it depends who I'm cooking for. 
but that sentence that i used to say it really took its its full meaning and potential when i was in india hmm. right because then i was there trying to cook the food that i was cooking for french people who grew up eating baguette and nice butter and croissants and you know like mm-hmm. preps and and all of that and, and they grew up with those standards of yumminess of what's good and what's not and suddenly you're in a country where kids are eating spicy food and lentils and eating with their hands and having strong flavors all the time and and that's their understanding of good right so when someone in india asked me what is your favorite food to cook and and i replied like a like a broken record the same thing well it depends who i'm cooking for right then it hit me and i'm like of course i'm doing everything wrong it i've been trying to 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 crack this egg from the wrong edge like uh, no one is asking me to crack an egg let's start from there uh, you know like it's it's a complete change in perspective and and uh, and that was really really meaningful for me and i think that that was one of the main reasons that i decided to stay in india my 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 trip was initially for two months and i almost spent five years there if it wasn't for covid i probably would still be there um i i really realized that that was a, a perfect situation for me that was catered for me to grow mm. as a chef right and and to grow about understanding and and, and how much extent my creative process can actually have uh it was beautiful and 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 if it was not enough then i i, I got forced to stay in colombia now and live here after 15 years of not living here and i had to go through the same process all over again <laughs> <laughs> that sounds super fun though <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but it's amazing you know yeah. like right now in my position right now i kind of crave those, those moments right yeah it was something that was in a moment in my life it was hard to accept and hard to receive now it's something that i like i like when i give something to someone and they tell me i don't like it because if they tell me it's delicious then i just give myself a tap on the shoulder and go sleep very well uh, if they tell me i don't like it i want to know why 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 yeah why they didn't like it and 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 if and the more sensible that i that i am to these people and to people from different understandings of world and food the better chef i will be or or i, I don't know i kind of feel that right it's mm-hmm. like learning it's almost like learning to read people to you know it's what what ai is doing nowadays they they understand mm-hmm. what what you like and what you don't like from your google search or whatever it is right to to Target send you. you an advertisement yeah. and, and 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 give you some information that you want for me that's that's more or less the same thing right so if if i'm currently working in like i was doing some really nice work in in a glamping here in near medellin and and i, and I got a customer who was indian and they're like oh you're indian i was like yeah i'm indian it's like are you vegetarian he's like yes it's like okay don't ask anything from the menu i'll just go into the kitchen and make something for you and and i try to use like thing. only local products but i try to make something that i knew he would understand <laughs> so So that that's pretty cool. That, that that's my superpower, I think. I love what you're saying, you know, doing something that you can understand assuming your cultural background, assuming your life experiences and the things that you have exposed to. We're going to get back to this topic, Paolo, but before we 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 do that, I want to ask you a question that we've been asking to all our guests uh, in this podcast. Um, you know, we have had people from companies, we have had people from uh, research and, you know, many different kind of like areas and we hasn't What is an experience? So for you, what is an experience? For me, what is an experience? That's 
that's so funny because I feel that since since I started working with you and doing some research with you, mm-hmm. I think that that concept is constantly changing in mm-hmm. in my perspective, right? Because sometimes I just feel like a computer, you know, that is just receiving signals <laughs> and transmitting something into a screen. Uh-huh. But 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 then but then I just start peeling an orange and and that itself is an experience. So for me, an experience has to be something that will mark you in a certain way, right? Like if you're going through life and you're bored or sad or depressed or whatever it is, and you're just walking, everything that is happening around you, it's actually not an experience. The experience is more inside yourself and it's more inside of what you're feeling, right? So in in, in that context, you could be anywhere in the world. The experience you're living in from within, right? It's, it's something that it's marking you at that point. It's something that it's that that has a meaning, that has a weight, whether it's a positive or negative weight. For me, an experience, I think that I've come to the conclusion that it's that it's something that has your attention of all of your senses at one point. Your full being is there. That that for me is an experience. Uh, super interesting. So, w- would it be correct if I paraphrase that definition as? a meaningful experience, uh, sorry, a meaningful impression that you get in a way. Yeah. So it's something very meaningful that marks you. Yeah, of course. I I think that's exactly what it is, right? Because because, uh, like if you asked me this question probably one year, one year and a half ago, uh, what is an experience? I would say like it's a combination of everything that that we feel, right? Everything that it's transmitted to our brain through our senses. But in that case, sleeping is an experience. And if you're not dreaming of anything, then it's a blank experience, mm. right? And, and if you don't remember anything that happened during that night, then it's a, it's, a, it's a non-existent experience. Experience, I don't know. I don't know how to define it, right? So for me, an experience is something that actually transcends uh, the, the quotidianity of everything, the, the normality, the, the basic stuff that you live, breathing, walking, eating, whatever it is. For me, an experience, it's more of something that marks you. That is interesting. So in a way, we will be talking about memorable experiences, right? That they're also kind of like give a significant mark. And that actually relates very nicely with my next question. And is that, you know, we have been talking about these, uh, all these different uh, changes throughout your career and your life that have allowed you to design experiences, uh, food experiences for Michelin star restaurants, you know, pop-up restaurants, hotels, uh, you know, like cook for different uh, groups from around the world. And my question is, what, I mean, having this variety of groups of people that you have cooked for, what would you say that makes a memorable experience? What makes a memorable, a memorable experience? Um, for me, it's, it, it goes really deep into the same question that I was asking, telling you about earlier. Like, what do you like? Like, for, for instance, what is your favorite food to cook? right? For me to be able to make a memorable experience as a chef, I think that I have to understand the other person. I think that the, that a memorable experience, it's like a catered mix of stimuli uh, that are literally catered for you. The thing is that we live life in a certain way that we associate with, I don't know, the, the smell of the freshly cut grass in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. If that has a context for you, if you wake up one day and the sun is shining and 
and you open the window and you smell freshly cut grass, I think that's a memorable experience just because it's it's hitting that pattern of things that connect with your with your inner child in a certain way. It, it mm-hmm. sounds very uh, very like uh, psychological and, and all of that, but like I think that the things that that mark you throughout your life and that make and and, and that make a change in the way that you perceive things. Uh, even the smallest thing, whenever you connect to those moments, to those memorable experiences that you lived in your life, I think that's the opening for more memorable experiences. I think that that's a two-way answer. That I think that's one way, and I think the other way is being in a in a place that you're also as a human being open to experience something different and new. That's so it, super interesting. Yeah, I I think that it's a mix in between both. One is your background, who you are, what you've lived, what you've liked, what you've hated, uh, what has hurt you, made you happy, and all of those things. Whenever you connect to any of those fibers that define you as a human being, I think that you start reliving a memorable experience, whether it's good or bad. But the other way of, of having memorable experiences is allowing yourself to understand that you're about to live something different hmm. and that you're willing to understand it or take it as it comes. For instance, when someone gives you a boiled worm in an indigenous tribe and the king is looking at you and waiting for you to to just chew on it, I can just base that experience and have a bad experience because I'm relating to the you know the the texture mm-hmm. that we don't like that we associate with something that it's not clean, that it's not edible or you can assume that you're in a place where people really enjoy that 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 is one of their favorite dishes that they're honoring you with that dish. And if you put it in that context and you're allowing yourself to leave all of what has made you and leave an experience as a, as a blank sheet of paper, mm-hmm. I think that's the opening for a memorable experience. That is, I love that you, what you're saying because it's, it's kind of like the readiness for the experience. And in a way, it's like, you know, you have two options when you're in a situation like that one. It's, you just simply attach firmly to your background and your dislikes and stuff like that, or you kind of like make a flip and say like, to start with, I'm in a very different situation and I have the option to welcome it and to try to, you know, uh, experience what is kind of like happening here and integrate it into my, my, you know, my my living of the situation. By the way, Paolo, that experience was real, right? Yeah, that experience was real. Yeah. It and was that really, is, really hard. <laughs> I can imagine, but that's basically something that happened in uh, your in the TV show that you recorded called Gourmet Ghost Tribal, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, so I think this is a good point to connect with that. You know, there is uh, something that, I, that I've been very interested in the conversations that we have had in the past, which is your experience going uh, through this. For those of you who haven't uh, seen this, uh, Paolo recorded a, a TV series that is called Gourmet Ghost Tribal. I think it's in Nagio. It's in Nagio, actually. Nagio is not broadcasting it worldwide. So there's different uh, networks that are having it. So everything that is like Africa, Middle East, Asia, it's through Nagio. Then um, uh, there's SBS Food in Australia, New Zealand, and there's different chains, but you can find it online. You can stream it as well. Uh, it's already going on. It's it's been launched two years ago. We're working really hard to get season two going on, but COVID has been a little bit of a funny there. there. But, yeah. yeah. 
But this is, you know, like if you haven't watched that, I would highly recommend it. Uh, this is basically a, a program in which Paolo went traveling with a, you know, with a team to explore the indigenous cultures in northeast in the northeast of India. Yeah. Uh, some of the, the 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 indigenous cultures that might actually be disappearing in the generations to come because they are. Uh, you know, kind of like exposed to this development of the country, you know, and other things that end up, of course, uh, you know, uh, threatening their uh, uh, existence. So uh, in these travels, Paolo was cooking for many of these different groups. And actually something that really marked me is that the one of the things that you would do in these visits was, was you would cook for them and they would cook for you. And yes. in some cases, uh, the only meaningful way that you had to communicate with them was through food, because you couldn't understand their language. Uh, maybe there were like other cultural barriers and stuff. So why don't you tell us about th this experience? I, I find it this fascinating. Well, uh, it was also fascinating and mind-blowing at the same time. I had the chance to travel with, to, to meet and cook and eat and experience things with 18 different tribes in the northeast of India. Mm -hmm. That was uh, that was obviously something that that does not allow you to keep living your life the same way that you were living before. Um, mostly when you when you're so excited, right? Like imagine you've been traveling 18 hours through tiny roads, crossing rivers, because you're going to a place to meet this indigenous tribe, right? Like it's the build up, no? The, the expectation, and you're just going there, and then you're rich there. And no one speaks a language that you understand. You know, you, you want to say so many things. I used to remember my head used to become like really, really warm trying to make signs. But signs are also like, <laughs> signs are also so cultural, right? Yeah. So, so, so if you try to tell them that I'm hungry, they don't understand the sign of your fingers going into your mouth as hunger. It probably means something different, right? So not even sign language. It's... Um, it was really crazy, but, but you know, the, the one thing that was always there was number one and very, very strongly marked throughout all indigenous tribes is the respect, hmm. you know, and the recognition of a human being walking into their culture. Hmm. That is something that really marked me because it doesn't matter where you come from. If people are gathered around and make any sign whatever it is to recognize that you just entered that you're now there with them that they're recognizing your being as a human being i think that there's nothing as beautiful as that right you don't need any explanation you don't need anything some of the tribes would gift me something and 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 it's also kind of uncomfortable because you're not talking to them you want to gift them something as well but they're not ready to receive anything um Really, really, really strong emotions and, and, and just being recognized as a human being. Sometimes that, that makes you wonder a little bit how, how our societies are built where you don't recognize people anymore and, and no one is there and you're just alone going to work or whatever. But anyway, let's not get deviated. Um, that respect was something that I think that was a beautiful way of communicating because you could feel that everything was out of goodness and love and Come, we'll show you. Come, we'll feed you. And, and that brings us to the second part of it. The only second way that we had to express ourselves was with food. There's nothing more comforting than someone giving you and offering you food or showing you how the food is made, right? So 
in, in, in a lot of situations, we, we did have some translators. In some situations, we didn't. But the, the feeling is still the same. At one point, I realized that whether I had a translator or not, the communication was exactly the same. I, I, I was just being able to, to touch and smell and taste their ingredients. And they laughed because of my reactions. And I laughed because of the reactions. And, 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 and those connections made around a fire or, or, or warm soup or, or something comforting. That's, that, that's something that kind of brings us back to, to that. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm saying a lot like, a, like an inner child in a certain way. You know, like you feel safe. When yeah, but to us something very primordial in a way, you know, is like uh, we know from from many historical records that people has have been gathering around food, right? So food it has like this very important social component to it. Uh, it, it does, it does, it does, and 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 everyone gathers around, and everyone is with you, sharing like their soul with you through a plate of food. You know, it's it's years and years and years of knowledge that have an experiences that have made them come to this point where there's a foreigner coming into their tribe and they're giving them this dish you know it's it, it's not just food right it's it's no, you're it, tasting it, it, in a in a way their identity their culture their their history their, ex yeah. their meaningful experiences are right there in that dish right whatever wow. was meaningful stayed and whatever was not meaningful did not stay mm. and 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 that's just freaking incredible like you're having like gold in your hands you know and, and and what you were saying initially when we started talking about the show is that probably some of these tribes are actually going to disappear in the next decades and and there's going to be probably a register somewhere or something written somewhere or the videos that we recorded but 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 the essence of what i got to taste and what i got to experience with them Like I got it. It's here, right? Like I, I yeah. can transmit that to other people, and 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 that's beautiful. So being there and understanding the the weight, you know, the value of what I was experiencing. It's you don't need words. You just taste. You just enjoy. You just make But eye you know, contact. You just thank from your soul, and then you just. Oof, there is something. I mean, it's it's very. Uh, <clears throat> moving you know the way that you're describing it because it really captures like this moment of you know connecting with another human being regardless of your background regardless of many things where you share around a sort of symbol you know like a, a specific dish of food or a specific something that conveys the history of that group of and that people are putting trust in it to share it with you And it's mm -hmm. quite interesting to see that you know in many <coughs> many uh, you know uh, cities or in, in the context in which uh, at least you and I live we see that many people have disconnected from food to the point that this essence of its social component you know or its meaningfulness is kind of like removed in a way uh, mm -hmm. and we we have we are not necessarily appreciating what you just said you know which is quite uh, quite uh, you know amazing yeah because that applies for our society as well right If you go to the corner of your house and you have a pizza, that's made of the meaningful experiences that we've lived as a society. And mm. that's there because we kind of appreciate what it is, right? And and it, it also happens to us, but we just forget about that. It's just pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You kind of need to go to your basics and, and to be forced to not speak and be with an indigenous tribe to be able to understand that the burger that you eat around the corner, it's the result of, well... 
thousands of years of civilization and, yeah and knowledge it's kind of like a like a <laughs> like a mean yeah like a historical device if you like or something like that yeah, yeah. it's pretty crazy okay paulo but, i have a question so from these yeah, from these uh, series that you recorded what was a memorable experience for you like one experience that you remember that you were like wow i mean you already mentioned one but what was another one that you I think that one of the experiences that marked me the most was an experience that was not recorded. The the the, the crew and everyone was just getting the my my kitchen, you know, like the 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 space in the open field with fire for me to cook, uh-huh. and and we're in a very foggy place. It's uh it's in Arunachal Pradesh. It's a, that's in the Himalayas in in India. It's in a place called the Mandala Top. Okay, we had to walk like 45 minutes to reach this place. It's a nomad tribe called the Brokpa tribe. Um, they they follow the yaks through the mountains, and it's it's a very cold place. They give me like a like a wild goat skin to wear. I felt like a warrior. Eh? It was really fun. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, and and I was just waiting around the fire, and then I see the like the shape of someone coming through the the fog and everything. You know, very cinematographic, everything like really beautiful. And it's a little kid, right? And and, and this kid is walking towards us, and he has two birds um, attached like to his belt, like he hunted for two birds. Uh, I, I don't know. This kid was probably like seven, eight years old obviously we didn't have a way to communicate and then this kid comes he takes a knife out he guts the two birds he removes the feathers he puts them to cook next to the fire he started his own fire no he he went and he took some some wood from the fire and then he went and he built his own fire so this tribe actually they they believe that fire is everything for them so if you're going to cook something you have to start your own fire and then you can cook whatever you want um so this kid does this And I'm just looking at him like, you know, he's eight, year old, eight years old. He was in the wild by himself. He hunted two birds. He's come here. He's cleaned everything. He's cooking the birds. And then I start to like try to really strongly interact with him, right? And I'm making faces to him, no? And, and I'm smiling and I'm poking him and trying to make him like laugh and everything. And then suddenly I, I, I realize that the kid is, it's not having a bad time, but he's not smiling. He's not laughing back at me, you know, and I, I, I kind of had the feeling that initially I was like, this kid is not happy. But then I realized that with the other people in the tribe, it was really, it, it was not very common to see people smile. Someone from the crew come to me and he told me, you know, the way they express happiness is not through smiling. I'm like, what? That that, that's so like that, that that is such a universal way of communicating joy and i was trying really hard to make this eight year old adult um mm. smile back at me and and then someone just comes and tells me you know their way of expressing happiness is not by smiling that, that's not how they express joy or happiness or or i don't know i was just like mind blown i'm like what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> that is i mean there are like many things to to highlight from that experience but one that strikes me all well, aside from having like an eight year old that has all these amazing skills that probably 30 something year olds in, in our groups don't have right <laughs> um one thing that is striking is that you know uh maybe the way in which emotions are expressed can vary between let's say you and this kid yet around food you had a common language right Exactly, exactly. He was cooking and I was just 
amazing. I was just learning from the way he was doing and he was showing me, you know, like he took the knife and he showed me how he removed the feathers. He was like kind of teaching me. Hmm. I, I know a bunch of these things, but like we had a full conversation, not with a single word. Uh, a lot of smiles from my end, none from his end, but we did have a full conversation with this kid and, 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 and food and, and the context of what, where we were, you know, like he was making, ah, also he finished cooking. Mm-hmm. And when he finished cooking, he took these two little birds. He went and he gave them to his father. Wow. His father took the two birds. He devoured them. He didn't offer anyone anything, not even the little <laughs> kid. And the kid, little kid just left. And I was just like, oh, so beautiful, no? Like, this is so uh, interesting. Yeah. And, and, and the, those are the kind of things that will always be very hard to record on camera. And, and, mm-hmm. and I feel very grateful that I lived it. Uh, just to be able to just exchange with someone that is completely out of your context of everything. It's almost like the first time I describe this to my parents when I talk to them is like, I just had an alien encounter, you know, like hmm. we, we, we had almost nothing in common, but food, food and transmitting joy with what he was doing. Right. Because that was, he was doing, he went hunting, he cleaned the birds, he cooked them and he gave them to his father just to show him, respect, love, whatever you want to call it. That's, yeah. that's the, the true meaning of food. No, it's just give someone something else than just something that will nourish them. That sounds a uh, fantastic. Paulo, based on everything that you have said, I, I have to ask this question and I know in part the answer for what you have said, but um, let, me, let me start with a little introduction. Uh, when you were uh, working as a chef in India in Le 15 uh, mm-hmm. in, in Mumbai, you created an amazing uh, creative space called Table Number 13. Uh, yes. And I had the pleasure of you know, joining you in one of the experiences and seeing your creative process and everything. And I want to connect this with what we just talked about because all these experiences that you have had have probably given you some insights on how what of a process of designing food experiences for others right and you mentioned one one of those things which is you know you have to cook for you have to design the experience for the person that you have in front you know that has a specific background and you know like all these different things but in this table number 13 which had basically one experience per week that was kind of like a creative space that you developed what was your design process like so, so initially I started by eating a lot in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. So I went out and, and, and had a lot of food in successful restaurants in Mumbai so that I could actually learn what was the, 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 the taste of, uh, of this community, right? Like the, the, that was the, the first part, understand the, the role of what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the most challenging part was that, you know, you land in India as a chef and you have a million spices and then you start creating flavors that are appealing to you as a chef that are logic it happened to me two or three times that i made something and i gave it to my uh to my business partner and uh puja dingra who's an amazing pastry chef uh we used to work together when i was in india and i, I used to give her like a spoon of something right so I'll give her like, a, I don't know, like roasted carrot puree with cardamom and, and, and coriander seeds, right? Like it sounds good. It, it, it's, it's beautiful. The flavors make sense and everything. And I just give it to her and she's like, ah, it tastes like something like my grandmother used to give me. I'm like, damn, you know, like 
you create something that makes sense great the thing is that in their society also it's made sense for hundreds of years and it's a medicine now so <laughs> so that was the, the hardest part right try try to That's find what are those home remedies that people have um and and find all of those things which is really hard to to fully experience it so i decided that always on my tasting panel there has to be like an indian person right mm-hmm. obviously i was working with indian people so my sous chef um she was always by my side and was like listen i'm giving you food whenever i give you something that reminds you of of a bad experience with your grandmother just tell me i'll take <laughs> it off the menu and i'll just write the components and so that was one rule that i had i, I it, it it always had to be tasted by an by at least two indian people in my team mm-hmm. with the understanding of food and with the understanding of their own culture because i can never level up to that to to that level of knowledge of culture and and of things that are probably not of uh, that they're not uh, new today that they're probably not happening today for them that they're probably forgotten in culture but they lived in and experienced it as kids so so that you cannot replace with anything so you i always needed one or two indian people in my team to to just taste the food and and tell me these yes these no and uh eating a lot of what famous and good restaurants and successful restaurants were doing in the city that was the the basic thing second thing was trying to figure out who is coming to eat and if they have of course like food allergies and restriction and all of that i know that a lot of restaurants do that so that they can actually have something on the menu for them mm-hmm. for me it was a little bit different i used to modify the whole dish to to make sure that that person was having a a meaningful experience you know like mm. sometimes when you say like i'm vegetarian and then suddenly half of the menu is not available you feel left out because of the choices that you've made in your life whether if it's for health or for a philosophical idea or whatever it, i think that you kind of say like ah you know like i lost half of uh, half half the opportunity or half of the creative space of these people as is just gone because i'm vegetarian or whatever it is or i don't eat gluten so i used to take that that homework really hard right mm-hmm. uh to say like i'm going to cater this menu and this plate that is not going to be catered for everyone else i'm going to make it special for that one person right like acknowledging everyone that is coming to your restaurant and 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 making sure that they have mm-hmm. a meaningful experience no matter what so so i think that that's about it i think that it's cultural context uh what people like in that cultural context and um welcome everyone and acknowledge their presence for every single experience right i i think that that that's the two things that i that i learned also while traveling the tribes and and that 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 i could actually apply for my menus because every time the menu was different menu and and i also made it meaningful in the way that i wanted people to experience something that they will never be able to experience ever again mm-hmm. right so so that was the concept of, of table number 13 i would tell my customers i give you my word i will not write down any single recipe nothing is going to be weighted nothing is going to be measured i'm going to cook by instinct with technique with everything that i've lived in my life and i'm going to give you an experience that you're going to live today hmm. and it will never be able to be reproduced so but that was my 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 search of giving that meaningful experience to to my customers right so so from the beginning hmm. i made sure that they were 100% there with me because yeah. they know that that's the only moment in their life that they're going to actually have that experience. You know something that I really like about what you're saying is that uh 
although you are describing a series of you are not necessarily mentioning that uh, you know like knowing lots of things about food specifically are important for this you're assuming that that's a given so that you actually focus on things that make the experience <laughs> memorable right and that is fantastic because it's like you know you're just starting from a position where you say like look the ingredients of an experience in particular a food experience is like all this background knowledge that i have about food you know how to mix ingredients, how to match ingredients. And that's something that applies to other experience contexts, right? You have sort of like these ingredients for the experience, but how you mix and match them is kind of like something that is going to depend on points that you are saying. Exactly, exactly. So some, it's so nice that you say that because sometimes I don't give enough uh, credit to my career and I forget <laughs> that, that cooking is not a given and, and, and mixing ingredients is not a given to everyone. Yeah, which by uh, the way, I can I can uh, say something about myself about and is that the way in which Paolo creates food, uh, you know, like aside from the experience part, which is fantastic, like the food that he cooks is extremely technically sound and very in, innovative in the sense that he can actually, knowing yourself, uh, create something that is specifically designed for you that maybe has not been done before, but builds on this sort of like library of flavors, aromas, tastes, and so on that you have in your mind. Yeah, th th that's actually something that uh, I cannot take the full credit for that. It was uh, when I was like 24 years old, 23, 24 years old, I was a sous chef in this restaurant called The Kitchen Gallery. Mm -hmm. which is in Paris. And if you're in Paris listening to this or you can go to Paris, please go eat there. Uh, the chef's name is William Ledeuil. He's the owner of the place. And I remember I was working for him as a sous chef and, and, and I once asked him, like, how do you mix flavors? And this guy was telling me, when I close my eyes, I imagine like a huge shelf of books and it's divided by flavors. And every time that I taste something, I just shelf it. Like I put it on the shelf, you know, like I, I put it in a place that makes logical sense. So the understanding, so when he told me that, I was like, this dude is freaking crazy. Mm. Like, what is he saying? Like, I don't understand. And he was like, you know, do the exercise. You'll thank me one day. And I thank him every day. Like mm. giving, giving the, the value to a flavor of a rational thing and not just a sensorial thing, Right gives a whole different meaning to the understanding of that thing, right? Like if it's something you're tasting, you can say like, oh, it tastes like an orange. It's good. Thank you. Done. No, no. If you break down that flavor of what is meaningful and not meaningful for you as a chef, and you put that flavor somewhere that it's organized, it has a logical connection. position, hmm. connection. Yeah, it has a logical place to be, right? It has to be there because it's, sweet but it has an uh, a, a flower aroma but it's a little bit tangy so it cannot be on the acidic side it cannot be on the sweet side it cannot be on the aromatic side it can be has to be like in the center right so if you understand every flavor that you taste and you shelf it and you classify it and organize it rationally it stops being something completely sensorial hmm. it starts becoming something more rational right so the the good thing is that now after many years of training. So that was when I was 23, 24. So yeah, like almost 11 years ago. God, we're old. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing is that now I, I can actually taste something new. Mm -hmm. Someone can give me a new dish uh, or, or a new recipe or a new restaurant or an ingredient. And someone can give me an ingredient and tell me, what would you do with this? And just by looking at it, I know where in my shelf to place it. And I start 
I don't know. It happens in my mind. Book starts like like shaking when they go well with it. So I know that I can just pull out different books and I have like a panel of flavors that I can work with. And 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 that's just fantastic. Like I I feel very lucky that I can create like that. Um flavor-wise. I think that is excellent. And I think it's a very excellent metaphor of how the process of experience design works uh, in multiple contexts. You know, it's almost like as an artist knows technique on how to use the brush, has different kind of like canvases, has a palette of colors. You know, you have like this sort of like library of different kind of like flavors and things that you can combine basically to paint that uh, canvas as, as you want. And in a way, this is the same process of experience design that uh, we can go through for almost any experience. You know, if we know what are the key ingredients and we have a very good library, then we can focus on the creative process and really try to come up with something that is customized, personalized for a specific target group. So, exactly. you know, Paulo, this has been a, a fantastic podcast. Uh, we are now reaching the end of it. And, you know, I have so many other questions that I would love to, <laughs> uh, to ask you. I'm just going to ask you one last question. But before I do that, I would like you to tell people how they can connect with you. So I know that you have a very active Instagram account with a very yes. uh, important kind of like a group of, uh, or, or, or a base of followers, uh, but maybe your email or I don't know, like how, if people wanted to connect with you, what would be the best way for that? I think the easiest way to connect with me right now, it's through Instagram is the network that I am constantly feeding with recipes and experiences where I talk about all of these things as well. Um, I also have the email button active on my on my Instagram. So if you feel like emailing me for anything, any query information, if you want to create a meaningful experience with me, let's do it. Just call me. I'm free. I'll go anywhere in the world. Nice. Uh, this is what I live for. And uh, yeah, I think that's the, the, the easiest way to, to make a connection for sure. And the account is at? Ah, and the account, yes, of course. The account is at Chef. Pablo Naranjo. It's my name, my last name with Chef at the beginning. Excellent. Pretty straightforward. Everyone can find me at Chef Pablo Naranjo. And, uh, and also I have a YouTube channel that it's kind of going there. It's, it's a little bit uh, forgotten in the background, but uh, it shows a little bit of the travels that I did in Asia uh, two years ago. I'm, I'm still working on a couple of videos that are going up very soon. So, so you can stay put there as well. Excellent. So please check the description of the podcast. I will be also uh, adding Paolo's contact details so that you can actually follow him on Instagram if, if you're interested and contact him. Okay, Paolo. So the last question that I want to ask you is, um, <clears throat> as I've been telling you about the podcast before we, we started talking, uh, was is that we have a lot of people that are listeners. You know, we have students in business schools. We have, uh, you know, professors in business schools. We also have practitioners in different industries and many of them are interested in how to design experiences so from the point of view of designing memorable experiences what would you suggest for them what would you tell them or advice i i i think that my first advice is start creating memorable experiences thinking how to do things differently you know it's it's a little bit crazy because we all have this professional life that we've worked and and we gained experiences and that experience is supposed to help us create, create uh, or, or, or replicate, replicate the things that we've done in the past, right? And, and that's the easy way of doing something. So when you quit a restaurant, you go to another restaurant, you carry with yourself a couple of recipes and this and that. No, if you want to create a memorable experience, I think that just start thinking, how can I make this experience different to all the other experiences that I've made? Don't settle with what you know. 
what you know is giving you the tools to explore new things and absorb new things in a better way. It's not about how good you can make the same soup over and over and over again. Of course, we need standardization and we need to, to be able to give that standardized flavor and experience to all the customers that we want to give that experience to. But the experiences that you've lived have made your brain more uh, open to the idea of absorb new ways of changing things, to create new ways of changing things. So my advice is always stay hungry for knowledge, for whatever you want. Just always stay hungry. That is super nice and very relevant for our listeners. Uh, so, Paulo, thank you so much for having the time to join us in the podcast. This has been a pleasure, uh, and I hope that we have the chance to maybe record another one in the future because this has been <laughs> super interesting. So, thank you so much for being here, and uh, yeah, uh, please, everyone, feel free to contact him. Thank and you, Paulo. Carlos. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you so much. I had a wonderful time, and if you want to do another co podcast, just give me a call. Nice. <laughs> Thank you, Paolo. Bye-bye. Take care.